Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Over the last three weeks, we have been talking about the theme, I love my church. And, and a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the fact that we, as God's people, are the church. Last week, we discussed the fact that being a part of that church makes us members of a family. We're sons and daughters of the King and brothers and sisters in Christ. Today, we want to finish up the sermon series talking about the privilege, the blessed privilege that God gives us to be a part of his mission, to make disciples of all nations. And we'll talk about being that mission here at chapel. A lot has changed in the last few years about how we gather information. I think you can all agree with that. Maybe there's an app for just about anything that you want information for these days. So if you're, in, for instance, going on vacation and you want to know what's the best place to stay in the city that you're visiting, you might use Yelp or maybe Reddit or another forum like that to listen to what other people have to say. Maybe you're interested in a movie and whether it was good or bad or a restaurant and whether you should go there and eat or not. You can find all kinds of ratings, all kinds of ways that will give you some information about where you might go to eat. I don't know. I asked in first service. There's a lot more students here in second service. How many of you use Rate My Professor? Go ahead and raise your hand if you use Rate My Professor. Okay, most of you. Yeah, and why not, right? Doesn't it give you a little insight into people sharing what they thought about someone who is teaching a class and whether it's a good class to take or, or maybe you want to look for the other professor who teaches that same, uh, that same subject, right? It might help you for your future, make you more successful in that class, and so you ask questions, you look. But would you agree with this? That while those rating systems are great and you can learn a lot about restaurants and movies and vacation places and professors, it's not the same as talking to someone who has first-hand experience. Someone that you know and trust. Someone close to you who can say, yeah, I took that class last year and maybe go to the other one. Somebody who can say, yeah, the restaurant was okay, but I would recommend this one. You're probably far more likely to take someone's personal word for it than an app or a forum, or some kind of app on a phone, right? I think about this way, maybe I can give you one more example. Let's say you walk out of church, and you see there's a lot of commotion over in the Buckeye lot, and sure enough, there's Tesla's parked all over in that lot, and there's Elon Musk right in the middle of the parking lot telling you all of the blessings, all of the great things about owning a Tesla, right? You might listen to him, probably knows what he's talking about. But he also wants to sell you a car, right? Maybe it's more advantageous if you talk to somebody who actually drives one and say, what's it like? Is it worth it? Should I make the investment? You see, that idea of being a satisfied customer has an impact, doesn't it? And maybe we wouldn't use those same terms when we talk about the fact that God has chosen to pass his message of salvation from person to person. But in effect, isn't it the same? That God is using satisfied customers, so to speak, people whose souls are satisfied in the love of Jesus to pass that message on to others. That's why we love the church that we're a part of. That's why we love being part of God's family because we not only get to hear that message from others, but we get to pass it on. We get to tell others that same message. On the basis of these words from the Apostle Paul that were read earlier in Romans chapter 10, let's discuss 
and focus on that truth that, that we have a mission. As you think about Paul's words, really he makes two points. First of all, that we want to cherish our own faith, the blessings that God has given us through the faith that we have. And then we share what we know with others. Let me read to you verses 14 and 15 of Romans 10 again. Paul writes this, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. If you look at those questions, those rhetorical questions that Paul asks, he's really setting up this chain of events. I want you just in your own mind to consider for a second all of the things that had to happen, all of the different blessings that God brought into your life so that you could hear the gospel and be saved. Hold on to that thought for just a moment. I'm going to take you back to the verse that's previous to the, those questions that Paul lists, and he writes this, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that an amazing word, everyone? See, there, there's no distinction that's being made. There's no, this group is better than others. No, the gospel of Jesus, the love of God is the great equalizer. It's for absolutely everyone. And so everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But Paul says, boy, we're way ahead of ourselves here if we're going to talk about calling on the name of the Lord. Let's run it back a little bit and see how do we get to that point. Did you hear those questions? How can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? I don't know about you, but when I read that chain of events that has to happen for someone to hear the gospel, it, it fills me with joy. It's something to cherish, the fact that God saw fit to bring the gospel message into your life, into my life. And again, I can't speak for how that happened to you, for you. But I want to take you back in my life just a, a few generations, actually three generations ago. My great-grandfather came to America from Europe. And in Europe, they were not churchgoers. I don't think faith in Jesus was very important. And they just so happened, just so happened, to settle in Milwaukee. And in their neighborhood was a Christian school. And the students from that school were playing with my grandfather and his siblings. And they began inviting them to different activities at the church to come and hear the message. And gradually, not just my grandpa and his brothers and sisters, but my great-grandparents began to go to church. And fast forward a couple of generations, and that's why I'm here today. Because God saw fit to make all of these things come together so that we, the members of my family, could hear the gospel. I'm guessing you could come up with a similar story, a similar idea of how all of those things happen. And, and that's really what makes us cherish the faith that we have. God did amazing things to bring that faith to you and to me. There's someone, maybe a lot of someones, in your life, just like in my life, who were the bringers, the ones who told the message of salvation to you. You see, that's how effective communication works, right? There has to be a teller, but there also has to be a hearer. And God gives us the blessing to be both, 
We are hearers of his word. We benefit from the blessings of hearing the message and knowing what we get from that message. And God also gives us the privilege of saying, you can share, you can tell, you can be the one who keeps that chain of events going for others. Maybe it's a good time just to remind ourselves what that message is all about. It's the greatest message ever given. It's better than any great restaurant. It's better than any vacation trip. It's better than driving a Tesla around. It is the message that your sins are completely forgiven in Jesus. I know for myself, as we walk through the Lenten season, it's always a stark reminder of what my sins cost Jesus. To watch his suffering and death, to watch a crown of thorns being wove together and pushed into Jesus' head, to watch nails be driven into his hands and feet and to recognize that was Jesus taking my place. See, Jesus' act of sacrificing self, himself for you and me, that's our assurance that our sins are gone, that our shame is taken care of, that salvation is completely ours in Christ. I wonder why the Apostle Paul says, that feet who bring that message are beautiful. I wonder sometimes if the noise of this world has an easy time of drowning out the comfort that God wants us to have in that message. Oh, it's great to be here on Sunday. We got to see a baptism this morning. The Lord's Supper is coming up. It's great to hear good music, be connected to our Savior through word and, and sacrament. But how does that translate into our Monday? or our Wednesday, or our Friday? Is it easy to sort of be the, the noise of this life to sort of put on the back burner the comfort and joy that God wants us to have? Do you find yourself struggling in the middle of the week because you're thinking so much about the worries and cares of this world, forgetting the joy of salvation, that message that God has brought? That's why God wants us to cherish our faith. It's what connects us to Jesus. It's, what's, it's what assures us of the forgiveness of sins and the life we have with him forever. The Apostle Paul certainly had a very strong love for the faith that God gave him. You might remember that earlier in Paul's life, he was known as Saul and he was actually a persecutor of the church. And as a persecutor of the church, he was headed in the wrong direction until God intervened until God made Paul a hearer of that gospel and then made Paul someone who went and told it. If you read all of Romans 9, 10, and 11, what you'll discover is Paul's heartache. His heartache over so many people, some from his own people, the Jewish people who did not believe the message that God gave through his prophets, the message of salvation in Jesus. And it pained him. And Paul's prayer was that there would be someone, someone who would tell the message and that they would hear it and then come to faith. And I think about Paul's prayer and I think we can understand it pretty easily, can't we? Because isn't it our prayer too? I put a little chart on the board. It's not super relevant. I mean, timely, it's about five years ago, but I think it's pretty close. If you notice the pie chart that's on the board, you'll see that estimations are about one-third of all the people in the entire world are Christians. I suppose we could debate exactly what that means, but we'll just leave it at that for now. That means two-thirds of the world does not know Jesus. 
does not know the salvation that he offers. And I think about this chart when I think about the opportunities that God has given us. You know that there are almost 7 billion people in the world? It's weird. It's powerful to put numbers to this. Four and a half billion people in this world don't know their Savior, Jesus. I have one more chart that I'd like to show you as well. I thought this one was interesting. This comes from Pew Research, the Barna Group. And they're estimating where the percentage of Christians will be highest over the course of the next decade, or century. I mean, it goes all the way to 2100. Are you surprised to see on there that actually over 50%, the prediction is over 50% of all Christians will live in Africa by the year 2100? Here's my point. When we think of the word missions, we often think of things that happen in places far away from us. Places that we can't go. Places where we send people to bring the gospel. But if you take a look at the North America chart there, we're going to be at about 9 or 8% of all Christians living in North America by the time 2100 rolls around. Do you think maybe there's opportunities for us right here in our own country? Right in our own city? Right in our own families? To be the ones who are the sharers of that word? To keep the chain of events moving forward? See, when we cherish our own faith, when we recognize what it means to be a child of God, that's what gives us the strength and the motivation to say, I got to get that message to other people. Listen to how Paul says it in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Consequently, he says, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Did you hear it even as I read those verses? There's a hearer and there's a teller, right? Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So who are these hearers and tellers that Paul's talking about? Who are the people who are sent to bring the gospel so that others can hear it, believe it, and then call on the name of the Lord and be saved? It's us. It's the satisfied customers. It's the people who God has already claimed as his own that have opportunity to look and see who else needs to hear this great news that I know? Yes, there's plenty of ways that we can support the mission work around the world. We certainly can support it with our offerings. We can support it with our prayers, praying for the gospel message to be spread through pastors and teachers and missionaries and people throughout the world. But really, God gives you and me a tremendous privilege to say you get to be part of it. You get to be part of telling others why you have such comfort and joy in your life. Maybe it starts simply just by living your faith. By living a faith that says, you know what, I'm going to put other people before myself. By living a faith that says, I'm going to try to keep a smile on my face even when things aren't great because maybe, just maybe somebody will ask me, I can be happy in this world. And then we can listen to Peter's advice and give the reason for the hope that we have, our Savior Jesus. It doesn't have to be difficult. I know we sometimes think, ah, oh, I don't have the right words to say. I don't know how to tell people about Jesus. But we know how to tell people about our favorite restaurant. We know how to tell people about a great movie that we saw or a great vacation that we took because we just tell them what we know. We just tell them what we experienced. That's exactly what witnessing is. It's just telling what you know. Here's what I know. Life in this world might not be perfect, but I know who was. 
is Jesus in my place. And I know I have peace with God because of everything that Jesus has done, and I want you to have that peace too. What can I pray for you for? Just simple ways to connect to other people as you witness to what God has done in your life and offer that to other people. Here's the best part. You don't have to be persuasive. You don't have to be the one that convinces them of the truth. That's the work of God, not your work. That's why Paul wrote, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. It's not you or me, but the power of our Savior. Listen to how Peter talked about our mission in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God has chosen you as his very own, calling us all out of darkness into his light, giving us the opportunity to declare his praises. Some takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, we cherish the faith we have been given and praise God for those who told us about Jesus. Yes, faith comes from hearing the message and we are God's special possession through the faith that he has given us. Number two, we recognize the opportunity to bring the gospel to many who need it. Simply tell what you know. Maybe it's someone very close to you. Maybe it's your next door neighbor. Just tell what you know and let God do the rest. That's number three. We know that the same God who brought us to faith will work powerfully through his word. That the same faith that God brought to you through the message, he will bring to others because faith comes from hearing the message. Maybe that task is a little daunting when we put it in numbers like four and a half billion, but it doesn't need to be. You aren't responsible for converting four and a half billion people, nor am I. God says, just be a witness to those in your life those close to you. And Jesus tells us, as he gives us the great commission, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is not something we're doing by ourselves. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the apostle Paul wrote this, that one person waters or plants the seed, another person waters it, but it's God who makes it grow. That's what we can trust. When we see God's mission for us, the privilege to witness to the truth of his gospel, we know that the success of that gospel is all in God's hands. And as the choir sang earlier, the word of my mouth will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.